How are you? It's kind of a loaded question, right? This is church. You're supposed to come in here and every time be just fine and perfect, but it doesn't always work that way. Um, guys, welcome. And I, no, no matter how you enter this place today, uh, I think it's an awesome thing that just happened. I think we have to ask ourselves this question as believers, like the why questions of why we do this. So I'm grateful for that time of praise because sometimes um, we don't feel like worshiping God, and sometimes we do, right? Sometimes some of you might have had a really good week or a bad week. Sometimes even the pastor has a bad week because I had a bad week, right? Some of you had a bad week too or a rough week. And it's, it's these things because sometimes we, we get stuck in, in patterns, we get stuck in circumstances, we make mistakes, and then there's that overwhelming guilt and shame and then the consequence for all those things that, that we deal with, right? Uh, People get sick. Uh, financial issues happen. Things outside of your control, and then other things that you do control, but the mistakes that we make. And so we come together and we, we try to cast all that off like it didn't happen and pretend everything is okay. But that's not the way that this works. So what an awesome thing to start our time together with just praising God. Because I, what, I, what the Holy Spirit is teaching me is that if I... Just like you, if we praise God, praise the Lord Jesus for who he is, and the revealing that can overshadow your shortcoming, can overshadow your circumstance. And what happens is when you're praising him and that truth hits you, it it buries all of that. It, It puts all that to death, and then the result is like worship. Worship basically saying, you're God and I'm not. So I think to... To praise God to start the day when we're gathered together, it's so cool. Like, what would we say to praise God or to praise Jesus? Say something. Grateful. You're grateful. What are the praises for God? Beautiful. He's beautiful. I mean, Jesus died for us. Like, God loved us so much, not only did he create us, he sent his son, right, to die for you and I. Uh, to die for the people that, that killed him. That he is patient, right? What else? Calm. He's calm. He's, always He's always there. What was someone else? He's in, He's in control. He disciplines. That's a great thing to praise for that we don't often do that, right? We need the discipline. He's faithful. The truth, yeah. He's the truth. He's wise. Holy. Yeah, see, those are, those are all good things. So even if the world isn't, even if you aren't, God is. Praise takes, Casey said, praise takes your eyes off yourself and on him. So here's how we're going to start. I'm just going to pray this way. I, Jesus, I just pray that we would, uh, you take this time. Uh, use what you put on my heart and change my mind if you want in the middle of it, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would just bring your power here and, and bathe us and wash us in the truth, in your grace, in your power, in your mercy, so that we're washed, renewed, and regenerated in you, Holy Spirit. I pray that to see you and to know you more, to see you and to know you more in every situation, I pray. Amen. Grab your Bibles, turn to 1 John 3. 
So last week, if you're just visiting us, uh, I should probably tell you, my name is Will. I'm the pastor here. Right now, you've, you've entered during, I guess we can loosely call it a, a sermon series on 1 John. We, we, we follow some rabbit trails from time to time if you're part of our, our fellowship. But last week, here's what we covered. 1 John chapter 3. Let me read this to you. Verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So we really kind of parked on that last week. Well, guess what? I blew it. I deleted the second, ver- second part of that verse here in my slides. And, and, and my wife, Brandy, noticed it. She said, I don't think you included that. And I was like, oh, you're right. And it says this, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So consider how great God's love is for us. But look at the world. They don't, they don't know us because they didn't know him. And he's our father, right? Verse 2, beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So this idea of children of God, I mean, this is a rich and important idea. And, you know, we want to know more about that. Uh, It feels good to say. It gives us identity. It gives us purpose. It gives us hope. Going somewhere else to kind of ask, okay, Lord, tell us a little bit about this children of God thing. John, the same author as 1 John, also wrote the Gospel of John, right? John chapter 1, verse 11, he says this. He came to his own. Who's he and his? Jesus. What's that? I'm sorry. What was the second part? Is the Jews, right? So he came to Jesus' own, the Jews, his own people. And his own people did not receive him, right? When Jesus came, what did the Jews say? Blasphemy. You're not God's son. You're not the Messiah. Right? Who are you? Um, verse 12, but all to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here's what happens. You want to be a child of God. Right? Some of us have children. And today it's kind of cool because it's our family worship Sunday, so we got all the children with us. But some of us have children, and we know how dear they are to us. Or maybe you've been a child, and hopefully your parents modeled that to you, how dear uh, you are to them. But, but to be that dear to God, that's a position you and I want to be in, right? Everyone in favor of child of God? Yeah? I'd like to be a child of God. So here's what it said. The Jews didn't receive him, so what kind of things did they do? Reject him? Yeah, they didn't receive him. They, they physically hurt him. They actually killed him. They walked, away from him. they walked away from him. They tried to trap him. They, they didn't believe the words that he said. So instead, if you don't want to be like that, you have to receive him, which would look like what? How do we receive him? Be faithful. Obey what, he, obey what he's saying, right? I believe what you're saying. What was that? Praise him. Trust him. Follow him. That's a huge one, right? Be where he's at. Like, if I don't believe you, I won't do what you say or go where you're going. 
So if we receive him and we believe in his name, and that's kind of a, a church phrase, but basically what, that has to, what this means is like a name is powerful, right? A name represents things. And I think we, we lose track of that. Here's a cool example. I was 17 and I was stupid, right? So I'm with my friends. We're driving in a truck. Everyone smiles. They were 17 and stupid. Sorry if you're 17 and stupid. Um, so we're driving in an old truck like 17-year-olds often drive. Well, the, the gas gauge doesn't work on this truck. So there's a few of us there. Sure enough, here we are in Prescott Valley. Stops, dies, runs out of gas. Oh, dang. So my one friend, the driver, he's like, okay, we're going to have to walk to get gas. Sure enough, small town Prescott Valley, the year of our Lord, 1996, right? And, and uh, a, one of our classmates comes by in her car. Hey, you guys okay? Yeah, he ran out of gas. So she takes him in her car to go get gas. The two of us stay in the truck. One of my friends, who in the moment was being dumber than I was, got in the back of the truck and thought it'd be fun to jump up and down. Sure enough, pretty soon, cops come. Uh, this, this cop comes up, because at that time, I guess they were bored. So they came by, apparently someone called them, and because he was jumping up and down, he, they thought we were fighting. Right? Because we look like thugs anyway, so... Um, I had hair then, looked different, no beard. They came, and they were kind of trying to figure out what was going on. They had no idea what I was about, what my friend was about, what we were doing. We said, hey, our friend ran out of gas. Someone took him to get somewhere waiting on him. Okay, well, someone thought you were fighting. Got our driver's licenses, saw my name, said this. this is, okay, you may not know this, but my family's lived here for, for 100 years. So when you come from a small town more than 100 years ago, your name stands out. So the guy's like, hey, Valerie, I, I know your grandpa. I know your dad. I know your uncle. I didn't have to say anything else. By my name, the cop knew who I was and what I was about, and he left. If we believe in Jesus' name, we know that he is God. We know that he's God's son. We know that he's in control. If we would really rest on that, that's believing in his name. All that it is, all that it stands for, every promise, every commitment. Just like you and I, if we're given a family name, there's, there's promise, there's commitment, there's sacrifice, right? To be part of a family is a sacrifice. It takes work. If we believe in his name, then he gives us the right to become children of God. We are becoming more and more children of God. And how that happens, you see, is crazy because it, it can't be done by us. It's not done by our human effort. It's not, it's not done by our will. Like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll become your child. No, it's done by God, his grace, his mercy, how great his love is for us. How great his love is for us. And back to Titus 3, 5, and 6. This, this explains it a little bit. I like this. He saved us, not because the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Guys, you see, this is the process. We're becoming children of God. If we would receive him, if we would believe in his name, And so isn't that good news? That's really good news. I mean, it would be more popular if I could come here and say, 
hey, man, all you guys just celebrate because you're children of God. I, I can't say that. I don't know that you are. I don't know that you are. That's also not my job, right? I'm supposed to speak this truth to you, and I, and I pray that God is going to send the Holy Spirit to meet that truth and give birth in your heart what this truth means and that it would change you. Because I, mean, I know I needed this sermon this week, so hopefully somebody else here did too. This is the way it works when you're the pastor. Most of the time, you're like, dang, I needed this teaching, Lord, and I hope somebody else here does too. So all that hope, man, God's mercy, his goodness, his his renewal and regeneration, like, I want that. You want that. In word, we want that. So if we hope in that, this is what, now back to 1 John 3, verse 3. John continues to say, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So if you want to hope in this, your response is this, to purify yourself. Well, that's, that's a little confusing, too. Because if, who made us a child of God? God did, right? But who can really, can you really purify yourself? No. Why did he say it that way? I mean, I think the, I think the best way to explain it is this picture. And this picture is this. Like, like sin in this world, they get dirt on us, Right? Kids, anyone like to get dirty? Play in the mud? Right? Yeah, Laura does. Corey does. There you go. Big kids like it too. You get some mud on you. You know, you're eating that peanut butter and jelly sandwich you've got to wear a little bit in the face or in the beard if you get older, right? You love to make a mess. Um, so then, as, a, as an older person, right, you might enjoy cleaning up afterwards. But you know the little kid. You see the mom in the grocery cart licking her finger, trying to scrub his face. Like, she's trying to clean him, and apparently it's painful the way that she's scrubbing him, right? So what happens is God's like, listen, you're going to get filthy and dirty because of the sinful world you're born into, because of your nature, because of what happens to you, because of the bad choices you make. You're going to hurt people, hurt yourself, and the only way to cleanse it is to let me do it. Like a good father with a bar of soap. And his bar of soap is the best cleaner out there. Like, and he's going to scrub you. And your job to purify yourself, which is the picture of everything, is you want to set down whatever was making you dirty in the first place. See, what's really happening in most of the church world, guys, it, just an observation as God's showing me, is you and I want to talk about being pure and, and sanctified and a child of God, but as soon as we turn our back, we jump back into the mud hole. We do one better. We actually take a bucket of mud with us, and every time Jesus is washing it off, we're splashing more on us. And it might sound silly, but that's really what's happening. See, so it's important... what. What God's looking for, what John's talking about, it's important that we realize our present position. If we've been saved, that we're children of God, that we have a great hope. So don't forget that, okay? And hold on to the hope that it said also in that first part of chapter 3, that even though you and I aren't necessarily like Jesus right now, even though you and I, when we go week over week, we might run into these same deficiencies in us these same shortcomings, these same failures, these same mistakes over and over again. 
that we hold on to hope that, that God is making us more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit by circumstance, by trial, by hardships, by successes, by failures, and that he's scrubbing us clean and growing us up. But it's not going to be in vain. When Jesus comes back and we see him face to face, we're going to be fully like him. So we've got that hope that we're his child, that hope of where we're going. What it should do in light of his great love for us is it should cause us to want to be holy like he's holy. Holy means like set apart, right? It's different. It's set apart for a purpose, to be weird like him, to be stand out, to be different, to be pure. Like we should want those things. We should want to put down the mud. And every time we pick it up, we should be reminded by the Holy Spirit, smacked on the hand to put it down because Jesus is cleaning us up. That should be the motivation. And see, now the problem here is, so that's our motivation. If we don't think about that, then we jump to this one. Verse 4, John, 1 John 3. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. What's lawlessness? Disobedience? Not trusting? Yeah. Breaking the rules? Yeah. So there's God's way. And when we're not doing God's way, then we're, we're not abiding with, with his law is what it is. That's, that's kind of the word the scripture used. So our lawlessness is like, I don't really care what God's way is. I'm doing it my way. And so anyone who makes a practice of sinning is practicing lawlessness. So you can say, I believe God's way, but do different. You know how I know? Because I've done that in my life, right? No, I believe you, God. Really, do you? Right? You encounter this in relationship, right? You know, do you believe it? If you believe it, you're going to act in a certain way. And that's the way it works with God. You can't go on sinning and then say you agree with the law. Verse 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Okay, Lord, what do, you, what do you want John to tell us in this? So, okay, Jesus came to take away the sins, right? And in him, there's no sin. You got, you got that? That makes sense? So far, I think I've got that. I've got that here. I don't know if I have it here. He came to take away sin. So no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. It's that idea that, like, I know that you're here to clean up the mud, so let me help you. Right? And this is our life, most of us. We, we don't say no. I don't say no. So we keep on shoveling the mud on us. And so no one who abides, when I do that, what I, I'm, not, I'm not abiding him. As a matter of fact, I'm not seeing him or knowing him when I do that. So let me pull out the phrase for you. It's right up here on that slide. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. 
See, this is, this is the million-dollar question for me in my life and for the people around me that I care about. Man, like I see in you guys, I see in me these moments where we love God and you know that the Holy Spirit is with you. But we have this, this ability to still you know, get stuck in these certain sin categories and then we try to compartmentalize that off so it doesn't take in water and sink the whole ship. But it doesn't work because no one who keeps on sinning is really seeing God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or, or knowing him. Let me say it a different way. The reason I keep on sinning, the reason I keep on sinning, this is what God revealed to me, the reason I keep on sinning is because I don't see Jesus here in this or know him. So I'm not trusting him. Okay, here's one of your opportunities in church, you know, the whole uh, parable, like quit looking at the speck in your brother's eye and examine the log in your own eye. So I'm okay with you talking about other people's specks right now. Let's talk about what's some sin, chains, habits, problems that we run into. Anger, okay? And of course, I'm just giving you that, uh, that out. It could be this friend of mine really struggles with. Okay, anger, right? There's one. Why? Yeah, let's, let's take this one first. Distrust is a good one. Why anger? Why do people get angry? Because they're mad or they're mad themselves. They're mad, exhausted. What is it? They don't get their way. These are all very good. What else from over here? They feel out of control. That's, that is, yeah. You guys are painting a really beautiful picture here. Man, you're angry because you're not getting what you want. You can't control it, right? It's not working out. There doesn't seem to be fair or, or equity in this. So, like, I'm mad. Like, I'm frustrated. I can't affect this in the way that I want it to. It's what they've seen. It's what they've learned, right? Because all we're given is what other people, even in church, most of the things you guys believe are not from the Bible, but from some pastor's mouth or a book he read. And we've got to get away from that. We've, we've got to come to what the Holy Spirit is telling us through the scriptures and the other things he's teaching us because he'll teach us all things, right? Including reminding us of what Jesus taught us. But look at anger. There's a perfect example. The reason why I get angry and I lose my cool is because I really believe that Jesus isn't in this. We sin when we don't believe. Is that what you said? When we don't forgive? Yeah, that's a whole other thing, right? But, but the anger, let's take that for a minute. If you give yourself over to this anger, what are you doing? You're basically saying, God is not in this. God is not in control. So the situation demands for me to get really angry to deal with it. You don't see him and you don't know him in this. Like my daughter, here's an example. Jordan, I didn't ask you, but I'm going to use it. My daughter was making these cookies one time, and then and, uh, when she was first learning to bake, and she changed an ingredient in there a little bit. And afterwards, she was like, oh, dang, right? Made a mistake. Best cookies ever. Now it's the new recipe. Okay? This is how God works. Not cookies necessarily, okay? But sure, even that. But you're angry because it's not going the way you wanted it. If there is a God, if he is good, if he's in control, then it is going fine. He will use this, and he will tell you how to react. Okay, what's another one other than anger? What's that, pride? Okay. I heard complaining, too. So, right, complaining goes along those lines, right? I'm complaining because it's not fair, right? 
That's, oh, this is not fair. It shouldn't be this way. It's not right. Justice, equity, all these things that when you know God and you know him, he's going to get the last laugh. He's going to make it fair. He's going to make it equitable. He never promised that it would be fair on this earth. That's just not going to happen. But if we know him and we see him in that, we don't have to complain because we know we have an advocate, right? Okay, pride. Why pride? Honestly, why, why do we get proud? What do you think? We think we deserve better. Insecurity. What's that? God doesn't understand my situation. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful picture again you guys are painting. Yeah. Focus on self. Taking credit for things you shouldn't. Covering sin. Yeah, a mask, right? So that's it. You see this picture? Like, one, you want more. You really don't think you deserve more, so you pretend to have more. Like, that's pride, right? And I got to take everything I can for myself. It's why, it's why like, you know, you, you starve somebody for a period of time. You got to be careful what food you reintroduce to them because they've been so starved for so long, they'll gorge themselves. Like, that's what happens with pride, right? It's like, oh, I feel so low. Now, let me ask you, if you know God and you see him and you know that he loves you, then you don't got to prove anything to anyone. It's easy to say, hard to do. But do you see the correlation here? The reason I keep on sinning is because I don't see Jesus here in this or I know him, so I'm not trusting him. Sexual sin, same thing. I don't trust that God's way is going to be satisfying, so I go a different way. I don't trust the long, hard battle to get through that. Drugs, alcohol, the same thing. I don't trust God's way of dealing with this pain, numbing it, escaping, so I create my own. Be a workaholic the same way. A big sin, the one that's, that's with a lot of us men too since Adam is this passivity, right? Which I fall into. And, and that's tied in so many things. Like you want to be liked. You're afraid of outcomes. You just want to say yes because it's easier so you get passive, right? This is what I've run into. The church pays for that when I get passive. My kids pay for that when I get passive. My wife pays for that when I get passive. If I realize God's in that, I would know he's in that, and I would see him in these moments where I need to say no or when I need to step up and do something about it. Because if I really saw God in it, it's not a checklist. Life doesn't work. I mean, checklists are okay. I get it. It's nice to have a checklist sometime, but life as a checklist just doesn't work. Because you know what ends up happening? In the whole breadth of life, you can only focus on so many things. So then you get stuck with, this is who I am, what I do, and what I'm about, and I can't go beyond that. The problem is the scripture. If I'm God's son, I'm becoming more and more like Christ, which will be completed on the day when Christ comes back for me or I go to meet him and I see his face. Then I'll be complete and I'll be full and I'll have all of that. So for now, I can't see it all. So I can make my checklist, but I will miss the boat every time. If I don't see Jesus in these things, I mean, this is the powerful thing that God's pulling out of this for me, guys. John goes on to say, we'll hit that back around to that. John goes on to say, 1 John 3, 7, little children, let no one deceive you. The word little children here, it's actually like my dear disciples, my dear students is what it means. Let no one deceive you. See, that's what's happening, guys. We're being deceived. We're being deceived. 
It doesn't make an excuse for you blowing it or me blowing it, but that's what's happening. We're not seeing clearly. Well, who's the, who deceives us? Well, the devil, right? According, And I'll just give you some biblical evidence. Revelation 12, it refers to it, he who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. That's what he's about. He's twisting, turning, deceiving. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul wrote to Christians, in their case, the, the small g god of this world, which is? Satan, right, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All that background's got to play into this. This is, this is a point of action here. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Let's stop there. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. How do you practice righteousness? Try doing what's right. Read the book. Talking about the Bible. Bible book, yeah. Practice Yeah, follow those reading the book. I'm sorry, what was over here? Yield to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a crazy thing. We don't even ask them. This is, what, this is what comes back to me so much. Right, Brady? We talk about this at the house. Like sometimes, like, did you ask God? She's really good about that. Oh, my God, dang. I didn't. And some of you are smiling because you do the same thing. Like, you didn't even ask what was the right thing to do. Because that's maddening. Once again, you do the checklist. No Holy Spirit. Good luck to you. See God. See him in this. Go where he leads you. It's, it's so complex, it's hard to tackle on one, but, but you need to know practicing righteousness is not putting that mud back on you, right? Whatever it is, man. If it is, if it is pride, man, humble yourself, right? Choose the humble road. If it's some addiction, stop doing it. Say no. If it's being passive, say no instead of yes to everything. If it's anger, pray about it, man. Don't lash out. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, Right? Control, try to let go, man. I don't, maybe you need breathing exercises or something. Like, whatever you're practicing, so you might blow it. You're practicing. I always use that word, I'm trying. And trying is a bad word, really. Because you either do it or you don't. So practicing is, I do it or I don't. When I played football, if I was practicing, I either made the tackle or I didn't. Well, that was almost a tackle. No. You either make it or you don't. But keep practicing so you make it more of the time. Practicing righteousness should be a fact of life for one who's a child of God. Verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one's been born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. You see, that seeds in you when you've been reborn, even though in a physicality you can go on and sin, and a lot of us do, it makes you sick, man. It's like a sin allergy pill you take that the Holy Spirit puts in you. You're like, oh. It's just guilt, shame, self-condemnation. And so many of us are stuck in this spiral By this, 
It is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Here's kind of a movie quote for you, Josh, right here. So you might, it might be hard to see, but that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. That movie is called Kindergarten Cop from when I was a kid. There's a sweet line in there, and, and it goes something like this. Who is your daddy and what does he do, right? Who is your daddy and what does he do? He's trying to find the criminal. But that's what this is. That's the question John is saying. Who is your daddy and what does he do? If your daddy's God, he does the righteous thing. And so your, your obligation, your commitment to that is to do the righteous thing. To put down the mud. And every time that you go to pick it up, you put it down. And it sounds like legalism, guys, but it isn't because it's birthed out of love. It's birthed out of love. Why you do it is consider how great his love is for us. Who is your daddy and what does he do? We can't take the middle of the ground. It's not okay that we keep sinning. When we do that, our daddy is Satan. The small G God of this world. And he can go on and deceive us and deceive us. And that's why there's that slow fade into more and more darkness. That's why, you know, that's why people are addicted to things. That's why people get in these fight patterns. That's why most American families kind of work like with, with this detached parents, passive male, controlling female. It's been that way since Adam and Eve. It's all part of the curse. And we keep playing into that nonsense. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Does your daddy do righteousness? Then you do righteousness too. Is your daddy Satan? And he does the evil and wrong thing, and then you do that that too? So what do we do about all this that John wrote to us? Guys, that's a lot. That's just a, there's a lot there. Well, praying about it. I see this. I see that, that God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. This this truth just kind of echoes in my mind a little bit, talking with people like, oh yeah, who gets into heaven and who doesn't? But you know, one, that's not my job, but two, dang, I don't want God's job. I don't want to watch things that I love get destroyed because they didn't choose me. But he loves them the same. So I don't even need to know if you're saved or not when you're here, right? That line's really not up to me. I'm supposed to speak truth to you, but the truth is, even if you don't love him right now, if you're here and you're like, God, I don't know, Jesus, resurrection, sounds crazy. That's fine. He loves you still. Consider how great God's love. If you don't do that, you can't go on. You can't go on from there. But once you consider that, then believe this is even better, right? It's kind of like you watch the newspaper, those adoption spotlights. There'd be one thing to go give that kid a candy bar. Oh, I'm so sorry that you don't have a family. That's, that's one thing. That, that could be loving. But to go grab them, to take them into your house and care for them as your own kid, that's like next level love, guys. And that's what God who loves you wants to do for you and for me. Like take you into his house, into his family, to make you his own, to give you his name. That's love. Consider that. 
Think on that. When we pray, think on that. Now, because of that, if you want, if you want God to be your daddy, then you're going to do the righteous thing. You're going to practice righteousness. Don't get intimidated. You practice. You practice righteousness. Stop practicing sinning. That's what we need to do. Now, when you go into that, consider this truth. In every one of those situations, whatever God's working on in your life, the reason why you keep sinning that way, the reason why you keep doing less than you know you should or do the wrong thing you know you shouldn't is because of this. You just flat out don't see the importance of it. That's me. I don't see how significant that thing is that I keep failing at. When I look back at my whole history, any mistake I've made, wow, I didn't see how important that was. Why? Because I didn't see God. I didn't see Jesus in this. I didn't know him in this. I got angry because I forgot that he was in control. I got lonely because I thought that Jesus wasn't with me. I got pride because I didn't take my identity in Christ. I got distracted because I thought I was in control. I got frustrated because things weren't going my way. I got passive because I thought, no big deal. Who cares? You'll get over it, it, right. I got violent because I thought that was the only thing that would stop. I just quit because I thought, what's the use anyway? Like, all these things, you see that it all comes back to the fact that we just don't see you, Jesus, in this. We don't see you standing next to this decision. We don't see you standing next to this action. We don't see how important it is. We don't see that when we, what we do to the people around us, like everything that you do, there's this ripple effect, right? We just don't see it. We don't see you here. We don't know you. And so we don't trust you in that. I'd kind of like more of an answer than that, wouldn't you? Like a plan, maybe a list to fail to keep. So instead, one thing that if you start reading through the scripture, I've found is like God does the work. Like he calls everyone to himself. So where you're at right now and where I'm at right now, we, we haven't become fully like him because we're not with him face to face. And you're still alive while other people aren't. So that means he's not done with you. And so, I can't tell you where God's working in your life. I can't tell you what the hang-up is, uh, what the habit is, what what the struggle is. I I can't tell you that, but the Holy Spirit can. So I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would tell you that. And I'm going to pray that the Lord would show you show you that he's in this thing that you're dealing with, that he's present, that we would know him more. And if, because that's what I need. I want to know him more and I want to see him more in these things, right? Because that's what happens with the life. These things I see God in. So yes, I know what's right and wrong and I don't mess up there. But these areas here, for some reason, I've, over time, I've learned to just kind of pull God out of those areas of my life. So it's up to me. And then we make these decisions that hurt people. 
that we, then we could practice righteousness in all these areas and not, and not sinfulness. What's that? We have to listen? Is that what someone said? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's your job to listen. And my job to listen. So let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus. I mean, you are God. You are in control. You were here before us, and you know us, and you made us. You'll be here after us. So we just praise you in that, Lord. I confess, Lord, that I, I get deceived. I fall into these traps of lawlessness. I don't see you in it. I don't know you in it. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to to just come. I know that you're here. I know that you're in everyone who believes. But I, I pray that you would take center stage here, that you would speak to the hearts of the men and women and boys and girls here. And just show them where you're working. Show them where you're working. An area where they need to practice righteousness. Show them you're in it. Show them you're in control. Show them you're God. I pray this, Lord. Every moment, every decision, the yes, the no, to do, to not do, that we would change our minds, that we begin to look for you in that and not just reason. Look for you in it and not just logic. Look for you in it and not just fear. Look for you in it and know you. I pray, Jesus, in your name, in your power, dependent on your grace. Amen.